Hi there, and welcome to the Future of Influence podcast. Here we discuss the power of influence, leadership, overcoming challenges, and more. They call me King Raj Singh, creator of the Future of Influence podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in our industry. With that, here we go. Welcome to the Future of Influence. I'm your host, Sandy Fowler, and today I'm chatting with Justin Nasiri. Justin is the founder and CEO of Captivate.ai, where he is optimizing long-form content for social media. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sandy. We were chatting just before we hit record, and it's one of those times where I'm like wishing we just had the whole time just to chat because it was so so enjoyable just uh, hearing more about your story, but I'm so honored to be on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you being here, and I'm really excited about the work you're doing. As I was saying before we got on air, I think this is a very valuable area and an area that many people don't have the time or don't have the inclination to work on. So why don't we kick off with you explaining a little bit about what you're doing at Captivate AI? Yeah. So what we do essentially is we take a podcast episode and we turn it into three months of social media content. And um, just like you, I found that podcasts are incredible content marketing machines but I always think of the, you know, they always say the Native Americans used every last piece of the buffalo. And I feel like as, as podcasters, we have all of this fantastic content and we're using just 10% of it. And so what we've built up at Captivate is technologies and processes to harvest the best pieces of every podcast and then tailor it for whatever social channels our clients care about. That could be TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever it is, we optimize it for those channels. And then most importantly, we use analytics to measure and see, okay, which of these pieces of content land, which ones get the most views, likes, and comments, and that helps our system get smarter about the content that we create for our clients. So when you do this and when you create this content for your clients, what are they telling you about that after you share it with them? <laughs> usually it's, it's, it kind of goes in waves. The first stage is usually relief, relief that they, you know, sometimes I feel like um, the social media manager or the, the solopreneur, they're so burdened today because they have what, six, 12 different social channels they needed to publish on. And they have to publish almost every day, usually. And, and for, for any human being to create content, publish the content and engage with a community on six to 12 different social channels, that's, that's so much to ask of a single human being. And so usually the first thing that we see is that when we come alongside a client, is its relief of like, oh man, I, I don't have to create the content now. Now I just get to curate it. Now I just get to pick and choose and say, today I'm going to publish this video. Tomorrow I'm going to publish this graphic. And it generally breathes some air around them so they can focus on creating great copy, engaging with people, or doing the hundred other tasks that are on their plate that have been going by the wayside. So it usually starts with relief and gratitude. And what follows the relief and gratitude? 
<laughs> you know, the, um, the funny thing is, is it becomes an, it almost introduces a new challenge, which is then now that I have all this content, how do I keep up with publishing it? So very often for our clients, we'll start to provide them with copy. We'll actually literally say, start to say, um, you know, some of our clients will literally have emails that go out and say, Hey, Joe, good morning. It's Tuesday. Here's the video to publish today. Here's the copy to post. Click here to publish it. And then it, you know, turns it into a 30 second process where they click and publish a video, let's say on LinkedIn, they copy and paste the copy, and then they don't have even have to think of what to write. Um, so that's usually the next thing is like, wow, now that I've got this, I want to publish more. But, but you know, one thing I'll just say is that I, I feel like we're in this age of, of what I would call top of mind marketing, which is, you know, I, I do this all the time. I'm publishing on all these channels and I have the most random people I haven't talked to in years who are like, oh, I realize that you're doing this and I need it and let's work together. I would have never gained them as a client through sales. I would have never gained them as a customer by hounding them. Hey, are you ready to buy? You're ready to buy. You're ready to buy. But because I'm just generally on a daily basis adding value for free, people start to associate me with what I do. And when they're ready to work with me, they reach out. And so I'm a big fan of this top of mind marketing, which really necessitates constant activity on social media. And the word constant in there, I, I see where your clients would feel relief when they, some of that burden of being constantly there is taken off their shoulders. But what started you doing this work? How did you end up with uh, creating this company? So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the 30 second version. We can double click in if you want to go deeper, but um, I, I actually started my career in the military. I was on submarines for about five years. Um, I got out, I went to business school and it was really the first time I thought I, I realized like, Oh, Big companies come from small companies that came from individuals who had an idea. So I started my first company. It was called Storybox. And we raised a lot of money from a lot of famous investors. And over eight years, I just went through the startup ringer of <laughs> hiring and firing and just, you know, my mental health going up and down with every, every wave of the company. And one of the things that I learned from Storybox, it was a marketing technology company, was what I already shared. Like, man, social media marketers, solopreneurs, CEOs, it's such a difficult job to stay up on publishing. And along the way, about four years ago, just for fun as a side project, I started my own podcast called Beyond the Uniform to help other military veterans. And, you know, it was just so much fun, as, as I'm sure that you can attest, to, to just connect with people via a podcast. But I started to realize, like, oh, man, there's, like, so much here. I, I could take any episode. I could turn it into three to five blog posts, 20 different video clips, graphics. And I started to, to blend what I learned at Storybox and Beyond the Uniform into what became Captivate of thinking, man, if you could create a system to take a webinar, a virtual event, a podcast, and find the best pieces and deploy it effectively and measure the impact. That's, that's a whole team of people that you're supporting on a company. And so that's, that's what came about to Captivate. Mid-quarantine mid last year, the idea kind of, I, I got the courage to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and start another company. So as you built your company, what was 
What was the biggest challenge or the most interesting challenge that you faced on that road? It's, it is so interesting to, to be starting a company uh, 10 years after I started my first company. And I, I will tell you, there are so many changes in, in my life, but the biggest one is I have a two-year-old son and, um, and a two-year-old son, you know, in, in quarantine. And I feel like the biggest challenge for me was as anyone who started anything can attest, there's no limit on what you need to do. There's a thousand things every day. And what my son Bodhi taught me was I've got to prioritize Every single day, you know, I would give him off to to our nanny for the morning. I'd race to the office and I had to start every day with a thousand things that I wanted to do. And I had to do something that's really challenging for me, which is saying what matters most. And I had to pick the one or maybe two things to focus on. And and that honestly, the biggest part of this challenge was um, letting go of the rest. And up until now in my life, I've been able to get everything done and it makes me feel good. It makes it's the military part of me. I feel good checking everything off. But I think the biggest challenge was saying, I'm going to get two things done. 98 things are not going to be done and that's okay. And you know what I've actually learned over the last year, the gift of having a two-year-old, most of those 98 things a week later don't matter. <laughs> things move so quickly that most of those 98 things wouldn't have moved the needle for me. But it's it's really building a new muscle for me to be really precise in what matters, focusing on that, letting everything go. And you know, what I find is that it forces me to fo- to focus on the highest leverage items. And ultimately, I feel like I'm getting more done even though I don't have that busyness that I've loved most of my life. So that's, that's been the biggest challenge, that laser focus on what matters. Have you been able to let that lesson flow through? Have you found that it flows through to your clients and that you're helping them mm. learn from that? <laughs> May, you know, definitely not intentional. That's so amazing. I never, I never thought about that because I, I know that my clients would benefit from that. Um, Maybe by an example, but it's funny as you say that my approach to our clients is, you know, whatever they ask, we want to do. And I, I'm realizing in your saying that, like I could actually help our clients and myself by say, like by really prioritizing for them, like, hey, there's five things that need to get done. This is the biggest one, the highest value. We're going to focus on that. And then we'll readdress that. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. I hadn't put that together, but that's, um, that's a gift to them and to my team. So I'm not over committing us. And as you have been building Captivate, how have you seen your influence grow and how has that growth impacted your business? Mm. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that um, the more, the more connection I have with people, the better things go for me. And um I'm finding because I do so many podcasts, I do so many sales calls, I do so many client meetings. Sometimes I can approach that by this um, this for that mentality. What am I getting out of this? What's my goal? Oh, I'm going to get this person as a customer. Oh, I'm going to retain this client. And I've found that as I can relax that, 
my influence increases. So if I can try as much as possible, and this is kind of the meditative side of me, if I can try as much as possible to enter a conversation with, let me just be present with another human being without a strong agenda, I'm, I'm almost always surprised at what comes out of it. You know, actually, you know, right before we started the call, you mentioned someone here in Denver with me, you're going to connect me to, I would have never thought I would get that connection. And that's such a gift to me, but I'm, I'm trying to let go of the, you know, I feel like there's so much pressure now with this hustle mentality of like, I'm going to get this person to be my customer. And I feel like if I, you know, what maybe it just works better for my personality, if I can just approach it as like, I'm going to meet with another human being, if I can offer advice or a connection that helps them, great. And, and that's it. it. It generally has more influence. It has more impact because I'm not clinging to some arbitrary outcome of what I think I need. Rather than, you know, sometimes I walk away and I make a connection and that's a gift to the other person and great. But it's, it's letting go of this, like, um, I'm going to, you know, carpe diem and make my dream happen in the way that I want. It's a little bit more surrender to, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep giving. And I know that out of that, something great will come and it may be different than what I envisioned, but I'm, I'm open to that serendipity of the ride. I like that word serendipity. (laughs) And I appreciate the way you have grown your influence. What are you doing with that influence that you've created? Mm. You know, the most the most powerful moment of my time with Storybox in that eight-year trajectory was, um, you know, my team had grown to 25, it had shrunk to two, it had grown, it had shrunk. We'd been through this accordion so many times, it was so painful. And I ended up with this team of, of six people and I had this epiphany and I, I sat down with them and I shared with them something that led to the best growth in our company. But essentially what I shared with them is like, look, I've been in the startup game long enough. I realize our success is is mostly out of my control. We can do everything we can, and I can't guarantee this will IPO or we'll get bought for a a zillion dollars. But I want to know that when I've got the football, when I've got some level of influence that I used it for good, regardless of the company's outcome. And so my goal is I want to support and challenge each of you to be your personal and professional best inside and outside of work. And I know that if I'm doing that, it's going to increase our chances of succeeding as a company. But if the company fails, at least I know that I made the world a better place with the little bit of power that I had. And so we started exercising together. We started bringing in meditation teachers. We started just doing all these things that didn't directly affect our bottom line, but it certainly made us all happier and made us more productive, made us get along better. And so I'm, I'm trying to take that, you know, I have, I have a very tiny team right now, but I'm trying to take that approach in my interactions with clients, with sales prospects, again, of like, okay, I've got a little bit of power. I've got a great technology. I've got a great company, but how can I serve as much as possible? And, and I notice it mostly in sales when I see someone where they probably can't afford what we're doing, but they're doing something good in the world. And, and I try to extend myself and just say like, look, this is a message we want to amplify. Let's find a way to make this work. And so trying to help them amplify their voice. So a meandering answer to your question, but I feel like the... Um, the biggest thing is just trying to focus on in this moment, what's the best I can do with whoever I'm with 
and just trust that that ripples out, even if it doesn't end up on the cover of Forbes magazine or no one ever knows about it. I'm realizing that impact of just a one-to-one interaction can change the world, even though I feel like as a society, we put we put all the pressure on having tens of millions of followers. You can you can do a lot with one follower. <laughs> you can do a lot with just one conversation, one interaction. It was interesting the way you talked about doing things together. You said that they didn't directly impact the bottom line, that you were doing all these things together. Number one, it seems that you were impacting the lives of the people at the company and I can't help but believe that that would impact your bottom line. It might not be apparent today on the day that you do that event, but that it would flow through because it would be in the everyone's attitudes and their desire to come to work and their interest in the work and their attitude then, of course, with clients and how they work with clients and how the clients perceive the company. So do you, looking back, have any insights about how that may have actually impacted your bottom line? You're, yeah, you're so right. I appreciate that. And in, in, in an example, I'll give you a quick story. An example immediately came to mind. Um, I had hired someone to come in over the course of a couple of weeks, meet with us once a week to teach us about something called nonviolent communication, like empathetic communication. And um, right before the teacher came in, this is maybe halfway through, um, I had, you know, my number two guy, we were just had this explosive argument and we go into this, you know, conference room to have our nonviolent communication training. And you could just feel the tension in the air. Like we're in an open office. Everyone saw this occur. And through the training, we just used it as a live answer. Like I realized I'm like, oh, it was over a sales issue. This was a sales guy. And it, and it was like, oh, okay, this, this salesperson had a need to impact our revenue, to help us grow, to bring on new customers. And I had this need to make our customers happy. And I had so much fear that he was going to bring on a client who wouldn't be happy and then it wouldn't meet my needs. And we just had this beautiful dialogue where we were able to unpack where he was coming from and where I was coming from. It was like, uh, you know, in the movies where they diffuse a bomb with three seconds left. It was one of those feelings where it completely deflated it. And we walked out with clarity of like, oh, we're both coming from great places with different intentions. And, and that's something that, had we not had the training, that would have created a rift that would have lasted for weeks or months or permanently. But we were able to diffuse that bomb right away, get back to it. And it's like, that's the most powerful example I can think of where it was like immediately creating a better environment for the team. He was able to focus on sales. I was able to focus on my things. The team was able to focus on their things. But it all came about because we had a, a good tool and structure to learn around. So I, I appreciate your saying that because it did it did impact the bottom line. It did impact not just our lives, but the way that we showed up in conversations with customers and with each other and all of those things. Well, Justin, this is a very interesting conversation. For anyone who would want to continue that, would want to get in touch with you, where can they find you online? Uh, two places, uh, captivate.ai. If you fill out the contact us form, <laughs> that still that still goes to me. So uh, we may try to seem like a big company, but that's still going directly to my inbox. So that's one way. And then second on on LinkedIn, um, there's not a lot of Justin the series out there, N-A-S-S-I-R-I or Justin the series Captivate. I'm sure you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive on, on LinkedIn to messages as well. 
Well, thank you for taking the time to share with us today and to give us some very interesting insights. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story by being a guest on our show, please visit https colon slash slash kingrajsingh.com slash podcast slash apply to apply. And if you liked what you heard, please also visit and follow us on all social media. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Once again, they call me King Raj Singh, and thanks again for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. Tune in next time. Thank you.